throughout this series, I've mentioned that the power of the Psalms often comes with their honesty, with their honest cries, with their honest yelling out to God, with with their, their brutal openness. God, where are you? God, why do I feel alone? God, I need you right now. My mom sent me a story this week that illustrates uh, what I've meant this summer when I've talked about that, that honesty, when, I, when I've talked about how the Psalms give us language to express some of the emotions we feel when, when we don't have the words. It was the afternoon of her 49th birthday, and she had just gone to a, a, a doctor appointment where she received some, some scary news. She tossed and turned that whole night long and, and finally got out of bed at 5 a.m., knowing that a, a dear friend who she used to work with would be in the office at 6 a.m. And so she paced around her room waiting for this dear friend to get to her office where she was the office administrator at an elementary school. And my mom picked up the phone and she called. The friend answered. My mom poured out her worries and and, and her fears. The friend listened. And then the friend said this. Psalms. You need to immerse yourself in Psalms. Mark the passages. See how David cries out to God. See how God responds or doesn't respond. See how David is angry. See how he's afraid. See how he's assured. Read the Psalms. This is my mom's Bible. She, she did what her friend mentioned. She went and, and marked all of the Psalms that, that brought her comfort and she still turns to them to this day. So we are, are concluding our summer series with, with the most well-known psalm, likely the most well-known passage of, of the entire scriptures. And, and we've probably heard it plenty of times. How many of you have it memorized and are, 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 are bold enough to say, yeah, I know that one, Psalm 23. Um, psalm 23. My, my daughter, just as an aside, my oldest daughter, um, really wanted to get in something for an app on her iPad. And we said, go, go ahead and memorize the psalm. Yesterday she comes running out. I did it, I did it. Pretty close. Pretty close. She, she, she got pretty close. We still, we still got her the app. But we've probably heard the psalm at memorial services, maybe even at a wedding or two. You know, we've read it hundreds, if not thousands of times. And oddly enough, I, I've read it all those times. I've, I've spent time memorizing it. Um, but oddly enough, this is the first time I've ever preached on it on a, on a Sunday morning. It tells the story of, of a journey. And it expresses confidence in God's goodness in this life and in the life to come. We're going to read the psalm uh, out loud together in a moment. But before we do, I figured we would, would listen to it. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm looking at the camera while I'm doing the Bible verse. Okay, good. Why are you looking at the camera? Oh, okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be alone. He makes me lay down in green branches. He makes me stand. 
quiet waters, restores my soul. He regards me a path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know it will bring you away. Your rod and your staff they come from me. Surely, surely, prepare a table before me and the presence of my enemies. Now my head, you anoint my head with oil. Surely, my cup. My cup, okay. My cup overflows. Surely, yes. Surely, goodness will follow me all the days Surely of my life. goodness and love. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And now I'd invite you to read the psalm with me. We're going to recite it out loud together, likely from the version that many of you heard or learned in your childhood. Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How many of you grew up? With that version. Yeah. My, my last few years of seminary were particularly, particularly difficult. I was commuting from San Diego to Pasadena, serving part-time at a church and jumping through all the hoops of, of ordination. My, my, my wife, Haley, she was, was teaching full-time. She was working on her master's degree. It was one of those seasons where there's a whole lot of high fives in the hallway and that was really the only time that we, we saw one another. And when we finished that whirlwind, those, those years and years just felt like a decade. It wasn't really a decade. We said, we need to celebrate. We need to go on a trip. And we want to go somewhere we've never been. And so we looked up for the cheapest flight we could find, uh, and, and we, we went to Ireland. We went to Ireland. It was a great couple of weeks, Dublin to Galway, down to Cork, a combination of train, driving on the wrong side of the road, and my favorite part of the trip, cycling. Uh, I, I won't get too much into our self-guided cycling tour, but I've, I've told the story before. It took a long time for Haley to get back on the bike after we spent three days on a self-guided cycling tour. Uh, I'll never forget riding along the coast. This is one of the reasons it took her a while. I'll never forget riding along the coast in, in the pouring rain. And looking out and seeing all kinds of sheep. All kinds of sheep. Some had red paint on them. Others had blue paint on them. Some had, had yellow. But there was no shepherd in sight. At least that we could tell. They seemed to just kind of, kind of roam 
free, freely. They were free range. They went wherever they wanted from lush bushes to drinking from all kinds of, of creeks and streams. And, and I learned later, probably in a conversation at a pub, that the, the colors had to do with the owners. So one family owned the red the sheep with the red painting. One family owned the sheep with the yellow painting. One family owned the sheep with, with the blue painting. And that most sheep were kind of given a, a range that they could go, a few kilometers that they could travel, and, and then they would periodically be collected and, and counted. I'm still trying to figure out how it works. I, I, I don't know how the shepherding in, in Ireland worked, um, how they're pro- actually protected from threats and from, from predators. But the sort, of, the sort of shepherding in Ireland isn't quite what I picture when I read this psalm. David was shepherding in a, in a totally different time and in a completely different setting. Now, in general, sheep are, are vulnerable. And they're not the smartest animal in the world. They need to be steered towards safety, directed towards food, told where to go to drink water. And those things are hard to find in the middle of the desert in the Middle East. Now, unlike Ireland, for, for most of the year, there's very little rain. There's dangers everywhere, mountains and caves, robbers and wolves. The sheep in the Middle East... The sheep that, that I at least picture when I read this psalm, they depend on their shepherd. They, they need their shepherd to survive. Now this image of a shepherd tending to a flock is one that the scripture returns to over and over and over again. And in most cases, including this one, It's an image that reminds us that that God takes care of us. That God gives us everything that we we truly need. Now, in in Hebrew, the the word to shepherd means to guard, to care for, to teach, even to to rule over. It's a pretty broad title for someone who, who watches over others. But before we get to the imagery of shepherd, the, the psalm starts with what? The first two words, this is where you respond. The Lord, the Lord, it it starts with, with, with Yahweh. This is the covenant God. This is the God who made promises to, to Moses. The God who, who took care of his people, the God of provision, the God of love, of compassion, of patience, of justice, of forgiveness. Now I imagine that when When David wrote this, he was remembering how God had showed up. He was remembering the stories of of his ancestors. For him, it was both a cry to remember the past, to be reassured by what God had done in the past, and and a a plea for the present. Now, when we think of of shepherding imagery in in the Psalms, we we usually, we tend to think of this Psalm, but there's, there's a lot of other places in the Psalms where, where it's mentioned as well. Here, here's just, just a couple. In Psalm 28, the psalm concludes with a, a personal cry, an appeal for David's people. It's as if he's saying, God, look out for me, protect me from my enemies, but, but more than anything, save your people. Psalm 77, it's essentially a psalm about God's faithfulness. 
A call for God to remember the past when he, he used Moses and Aaron to, to steer his people, to guide his people. In the first words of Psalm 80, another song, they, they look back as well as the lyrics cry out for God to shine his face upon the people and to restore them again. But it's not just in the Psalms. There's other places in the Hebrew text as well where, where we read about this, this image. In Ezekiel's vision, he, he contrasts the, the shepherds of Israel who were more concerned with, with kind of looking out for themselves, kind of getting their own way with the sovereign Lord who searches for his sheep and looks out for them. This part of Ezekiel, I'd actually encourage you to read it when you get home. It's, it's full of promises. Promises of an unrelenting God who will do whatever it takes to find his flock. Over and over again in in Ezekiel 34, God says, I will search, I will rescue, I will bind up the injured, I will destroy the threats, I will gather, I will have plenty of food, I will bind up and encourage and strengthen the weak. Now we hear echoes of Ezekiel's prophecy in in Jesus' parable of the lost sheep, where the shepherd leaves the 99 to search for the one, and then invites his neighbor to a party when that one is found, when that one is discovered. It's fairly straightforward. And and Jesus is even more direct in using the imagery in in John 10, where he refers to himself as the good shepherd the one who lays down his life for the flock who knows his sheep intimately and is known by his sheep we turn to psalm 23 in times of trouble because it reminds us of a very very important truth god is for us god searches after us god loves us God gives us what we truly need. Even though the muck and the mire that we we all journey through at one time or another in life sometimes keeps us from, from really experiencing that reality. And hopefully, even for those of you who, who aren't great with memorizing Scripture, I'm with you, I'm not great with memorizing Scripture, it's a passage we can at least somewhat somewhat store up in in our memory so that when we go through that muck and mire that is going to come, we can remember, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The psalm starts with a reminder that a a good shepherd provides for the flock. David, remember, he, he knew this role all too well. One of the reasons that this psalm uh, brings us comfort in times of trouble is, is because it's, it's personal. So many stories of Israel, they're, they're communal. God delivering or being with a group of people. But there's also, there's also the stories of, of the one-on-one relationship. God is the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, of Samuel, of David, individuals, of you in of me. It's personal. 
So, so we read the psalm and it's the Lord is my, the Lord is my shepherd. Again, if you can't memorize the whole psalm, five words, the Lord is my shepherd, my shepherd. And first, the shepherd provides rest for the sheep. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters, restores my soul. Next Sunday, we're, we're going to be taking a break from the Psalm series and, and getting ready to launch back into the Roman series that we're, we're coming to in, in September. And uh, we'll be talking about a rhythm of work and rest, a, a good reminder that the Sabbath was established really to, provide, to remind us that, that, that God always provides, that God always provides here with the words make and lead it's almost as if the shepherd kind of might enforce some degree of, of, of rest. Even when the sheep doesn't necessarily want it. But it's not some sort of punishment. It's, it's not a shepherd ushering sheep into a, a crowded, dusty pen with, a, with, with a, a communal trough in the corner with no water in it. It's open, green meadows where they can graze Enjoy soft grass with a river that runs through the fields. Now in our society today, our goal-oriented, frantic, busy world, the psalm urges us to not feel guilty about resting. We need to find moments of rest like, like what is, is described here because it's only in those moments that he restores my soul. We find restoration. I have a, a good friend who uh, is taking a sabbatical this coming October. He's not a pastor, but he knows that sabbatical is a pastor word. And so he reached out to me and he said, hey, what do you do on a sabbatical? I said, what do you mean, what do you do on a sabbatical? And he's like, can you send me a, a month of your schedule of what you do on a sabbatical? He's so type A personality He's so type A personality that he wanted a day by day what was going to be produced at the end of his sabbatical. I thought for a moment, kind of laughed at my buddy Jeremy a little bit. And then I realized that when I'm actually intentional with with seeking rest, I do plan something. I do plan something. I usually take the first three or four days of, of the day that I'm, I'm resting or the week that I'm resting and, and I wrap up any, any loose ends that need to be tied up. And then the day before entering back into the world or whatever I'm doing, I, I, I take three or four hours to prepare for entering in that day. So I told him that and I said, and if you schedule anything else, you've blown it in your sabbatical. Rest. Rest. We might not need to calendar every moment of planned rest, but we, we do need to schedule it. And an important component of that is trusting God to take care of the work that we leave. And I know some of us are retired and you're thinking, well, I don't work anyway. You do. You do. I know many of the retired folks that volunteer and serve in this church here are working just as much as anybody who's employed by the church. You're here a lot. And I'm grateful for it. What does it mean to take rest seriously? 
to set something aside, to look for that restoration that's described here in this psalm. To be restored is to be returned into right relationship with God. It's to be refreshed. So in addition to memorizing at least the first five words of the psalm, I'd encourage us this week to to think about what you do to find rest. Where do you go? What's the green pasture for you? What's, What's the still waters for you? In addition to providing rest and guidance, the psalm reminds us that the shepherd offers protection. Last Sunday, I mentioned that the psalms don't necessarily tell us that God is going to kind of pick us up and remove us from a difficult season. That, that, that God isn't going to just kind of pluck us out of the muck and, and, and the mire, but that the psalms remind us that God is with us as we journey through the difficulties of life. We see that in the middle of the psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rest of the the green pastures of the still waters is now contrasted with this dark valley, the shadow of death. Now, a shepherd in the, the Middle East would often have to lead his flock down, to, to steep, down steep slopes and, and into deep ravines. They'd often be so deep that the shadows of the hills or the mountains would, would totally cloud out the sun. And it was in those places that there were attacks where the sheep w- w- would get hurt, where they'd get lost, those those. Valleys were full of uncertainty. And when we find ourselves in those places, and we all do at one point or another, we're most vulnerable. And it's in those moments where you need to remember that the God who calls us to green pastures, the God who calls us to still waters, is the same God who promises to be with us when we're in the valleys. But it's not, it's not just God's presence. Remember, it's also protection. The rod, imagery of the rod, used for an external enemy to to kind of hold them off, hold off would-be attackers. The shepherd's staff with the hook on its end used to, to pull us out of the junk that we might find ourselves in. At first glance, When we get to the fifth verse of the psalm with the table, the oil, the cup, surely David totally mixes his metaphors. We go from the shepherd to to a host. But whether Yahweh is playing the role of host at a banquet table or of a shepherd navigating through rough terrain, the reminder that God takes care of and protects God's people remains true. The psalm ends with the final promise about about dwelling. This is what we talked about last week, about abiding, remaining, staying in, dwelling in the house of the Lord. The end goal of God's provision and protection is to bring us into that house for us to rest in God's presence, 
forever. Or, as some translations put it, for all the days. God's presence is what we truly need. As I was working on this this sermon this weekend um, and wrapping it up yesterday, uh, I I was just kind of hit by a lot of the difficulties in, in our world today. Here, here locally, we, we've, we've got some, uh, some, some families struggling. In our church, we've got some families struggling. I read this psalm at Doris Ruffner's sermon, sermon, service on Tuesday. I'm going to read it again in Kathleen Zlokovich's grandma's service on next Thursday. There is a lot. This world is a lot. And this psalm reminds us to be intentional with seeking God's presence as we journey through that a lot. Let's pray. Loving God, our shepherd, remind us that you are with us, that you're with us in the green meadows, along the still waters, and in the deep valleys. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your protection. God, remind us that you're with us at all times through all seasons. We pray these things in your name. Amen.